Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Nick Polak. Nick, what's going on? Not a mucho. This is my rare two two podcast in a in a week appearance. Yes, uh, Nick. That was a really really good sentence. I just said you can write for a certain website that you and I were making fun of before the pod started. Uh, but yes, I uh, I travel to Columbus, Ohio this week, where I currently am. I am pet sitting two very lovely tiny dogs. If you would like to see them. Um, they're probably on Instagram or something. Neither. Oh, God damn it. Are you eating something? No. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. One of the dogs just scared me. Uh, yeah. We're here to talk about Purdue and not about the two tiny beasts that I am keeping an eye on this week. Uh, this is a game, Nick, that I think coming into the season, all of us had circled. Not as a game that we thought Penn State was necessarily going to lose, but one that we thought was going, had the potential to be really, really fun. But in recent weeks, a lot of the shine has been taken off of, again, what we thought was going to be a really fun one coming into the season. Yeah, and it's disappointing in that way. Um, I mean, I know one of the big reasons it seems like that HBO is interested in taking part in this game was one of the aspects was that matchup of KJ Hamler and Rondale Moore. And while I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm upset that Penn state doesn't have to try to defend Rondale Moore. It is a disappointment because he, he's really fun to, he's just really fun to watch. Yeah. And uh, there was a, uh, Jeff Brom, a uh, Purdue's head coach came out this week and said, KJ, uh, not KJ Hamler. Uh, KJ Hamler is going to play as far as we know. Uh, Rondale Moore, they're going to kind of, look at him on a week-to-week basis, uh, make decisions as they go along as he tries to get back after some uh, some type of hamstring injury. It's not 100% clear what happened. But again, they're going to look at him week-to-week. We all, I I certainly speak for Nick on this one, we cannot wait to see him get back onto the field because he really is a special football player. The thought of seeing him and KJ Hamler go at it this week was something that I know I was really looking forward to, I knew Nick was looking forward to, and I'm sure a lot of you were looking forward to. But as we get into this game, Nick... Uh, but, but before you go, oh, go can ahead. I immediately break us into a tangent? Yeah, go ahead. All right, lovely. Do you think that Rondell Moore is, when he eventually goes to the NFL, do you think that he's drafted in a position worthy of his talent? He's or go- do you think he kind of ends up like Tyler Lockett, where he's... Everyone knows he's awesome, but he still falls to like the third round. Well, remind me, was Tyler Lock obviously and it goes to the Seahawks. Did Tyler Lock <laughs> did he tear up the combine? Because I don't remember if he did or not. Um, I actually don't remember what his combine was, but because, I mean, but everybody knew he was gonna be good. Everyone knew he was going to be good, but he also if memory serves, he was a bit of like a finished product. I don't yeah, he was picked in the third round. He was quick, he was fast, he was able to jump. I don't think he, uh, yeah, he didn't want to do the bench. The thing is, though, like, Rondell Moore is going to be one of those guys who he's going to put up just silly, silly numbers when he gets to the combine, and I think that's something uh, that's going to help him a lot, in addition to the fact that he's going to be a really good, really productive football player, very similar to what Tyler Lockett does. I mean, the difference between Tyler Lockett in college and Rondale Moore in college that it took Tyler Lockett, you know, he got onto the field as a freshman and a sophomore, uh, as a really dynamic special teams player, but it took him a little bit to catch up on the offensive side of the ball while Moore has been doing that, you know, for a year and a half so far at Purdue. But I mean, that's a good question. It's interesting in a Penn state context, because that's the archetype of player that KJ Hamler is, um, I don't think it's a stretch to say he is not Rondale Moore, which it says more about Rondale Moore than it does about KJ Hamler. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, and they're they're they have the same kind of basic uh, outline, I guess is the word I'll go with. But they they do they are they are different. I would say that KJ is more um, KJ has is a little better kind of quick twitch, and I think his I think his individual moves are better, yeah. whereas Rondell Moore might just be a better football player. Right, he has speed and power in a way that KJ. Like, no offense yeah. to KJ, but like you just can't have that. The fact that the fact that Rondell Moore was like squatting five hundred and fifty pounds as a freshman was ridiculous. But 
neither here nor there. I mean, we could do, we could talk about Rondale Moore all day, but he's not going to be playing in the game. And Nick, the other big thing that is going to be happening with Purdue as we look at them on the offensive side of the ball is that while Rondale Moore is not playing, that is something that they maybe could have found a way to work around. Uh, I know former future Penn Stater David Bell has gotten off to a pretty good start for them. They have a few other guys uh, in their pass-catching core. But Elijah Sindelar, uh, their quarterback, who, you know, he's a guy who paid his dues. He stepped in and was, had played pretty well up to this point this season. He actually suffered a season-ending injury. And it's just really hard, uh, even if you are the biggest fan of Jack, redshirt freshman Jack Plummer, on the planet, it's really hard for me to imagine a scenario where Plummer is able to come in and light up this Penn State defense. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate for Purdue. If if you weren't watching, they actually lost Sindelar more on the same play last week, which is it, just, it, it was weird. Like, and ugh. the weird the weirdest thing was like they happened separate of one another. Like Moore was on at one part yep. on one part of the field, and Sindelar was on another, and they both just like freak incident to end all freak incident and like you can't help but feel terrible for Purdue that that happened yeah uh like you said I mean Jack Plummer is not without talent um but he's not he's not Elijah Sindelar and that's that's it's just it's not it's not an ideal situation for Purdue and you mentioned David Bell uh former blue chip recruit former Penn State target he started off really nicely he's at 244 receiving yards already 17.4 yards per catch he started off really well but it's it's just a completely different offense without those two and the worst part uh about Purdue's offense as it stands now is that uh Jack Plummer despite being a strong-armed uh quarterback from Arizona no relation to Jake the Snake which I made it a so disappointing I made it a point to like when you actually search for Jack Plummer on Google, I think one of the first autofill results is dad. So it's good to know that ah. I'm not the only person uh, who is interested in knowing who Jack, whether or not Jack Plummer's dad uh, is former Arizona Cardinals legend, Jake, the snake Plummer. Uh, neither here nor my there. F- my first ever, my first ever fantasy football championship was one with Jake Plummer as my quarterback. Well, there Never you forget. go. Nick, take a guess. Yeah. How many yards per attempt on the ground Purdue's offense is averaging? Yards per attempt. But uh, if, it helps, if it helps, last year uh, they had a very good uh, under the radar, a bit running back named DJ Knox, very violent running back, uh, averaged 5.6 yards per carry, eight scores on the year. He's not there anymore. What is Purdue doing on the ground now? If you want, I will give you an over-under. Um, no, it's okay. I'm going to guess that it's lower than that, based on the way you're asking me this question. So I'm going to guess 3.4. Oh, baby boy. No, 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 no. 2.6 yards per carry. They have ran it 105 <laughs> times on the year for 273 yards. This is – it's so funny – because coming into this game, Purdue's 20th in offensive SP+. Plus. Uh, obviously, uh, there's a lot of context that goes out the window uh, when you talk about the Purdue team that Penn State's going to be playing. But even when you're not, and you're just looking at Penn State and who... I'm sorry, the dogs are fighting like at my feet. It's precious, but it's also taking all my attention here. Go get that toy. Uh, when you look at this Penn State team that Purdue is going to be playing... Jeff Brahm is a really aggressive and a really creative and a really fun offensive mind. But when you look at Purdue's inability to run the football, you look at the fact that they have their backup quarterback who so far this season is completing 51% of his passes, three touchdowns and four interceptions. It is really hard for me to see a scenario in which Purdue's offense is able to get anything going, especially considering the guys they're not going to have in the field. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really enjoying the sounds that I'm hearing. From, can, can you hear from, them like grumbling beneath me? I can. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, who, who said uh, who said our podcast doesn't include ambiance? Exactly, exactly. This is this is what we've needed. <laughs> 
yeah, get get Blitz in here and get just like a woo at the moon or something like that while all this is going down. Oh, I wish he did that. That'd be great. <laughs> just every time the moon rose, he just went to the window. Well, you do live in Washington, and while he's not a husky, he can do husky things. So this is true, but this this is a wazoo household. So. Yeah, I know. That's why I said that because I thought there was a chance it would make you mad. Neither here nor there. Purdue's offense. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I was so focused on the dogs, I actually <laughs> didn't even catch all of what you were saying. Um, but yeah, it's it. Well, what I was basically going to say to you is that Purdue's offense it is when it is cooking, and it has all of its pieces a dynamic offense. It has an excellent, excellent offensive mind at the helm in Jeff Brom. But considering who they are missing and considering the talent that Penn State has on defense, I just find it really, really hard to see a path for Purdue to be able to put up a ton of points in this game. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, Jeff Brom is brilliant. He is a brilliant coach. Um, but it's... Uh, it. And, and I want to believe, for their sake, that he will be able to scheme around this and figure something out that can work against Penn State, but they had to claw and fight to get back into that game with Minnesota last weekend, which they did valiantly after Sindelar and Moore both went down. But, I, I mean, Matt and I talked on the on the recap pod about how, yeah, Miss, Minnesota's undefeated, but boy, they're disappointing. Yes, and they are. I, I just I have a really hard time seeing if for as great as Brahm is, I have a hard time seeing even him be able to scheme the roster he has into making this a close competitive game. That's not I mean, we, we saw him we've seen him do amazing things. Last mm-hmm. year they beat Ohio State and they looked dominant throughout. Ooh, I was but, gonna say saying they beat Ohio State is really underselling what they did to Ohio State. Yeah, they embarrassed Ohio State. It wasn't close. Um but of course that was with a healthy Rondell Moore, that was with, with uh I mean it was really a lot of a whole entirely different team. This is just a much there's not as much talent on this squad and a lot of the a lot of the big time talent that is there is still really young and not quite ready yet. So it's for as great as Brahm is, it's really hard to see even him figuring out how to attack a defense that's as fast and ferocious as Penn State's. And interesting enough, I Purdue Penn State's the number sixteen defense in the country in uh, defensive SP plus. TCU is actually 17th. TCU traveled to West Lafayette to play Purdue this year in a game where Jake Jack Plummer played the entire game under center. Plummer 13 for Jack 20. the Snack. We'll work on that. Plummer 13 for 29 in that game, 181 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. They could not run the ball. They could not get a whole lot going through the air. It's really hard. Yes, now they're going to have a little bit of time to kind of figure stuff out and, you know, scheme for Plummer. I think he might have been thrown in uh, to that TCU game without two terrible... Yeah, because Sindelar played a ton against Vandy and played a ton against Nevada. He's going... I think he'll be a little bit better, but it's just really hard for me to see a scenario in which they're able to get too terribly much going offensively. On the other side of the football... um, Here's the thing with Purdue. Purdue plays very exciting football games. Playing very exciting football games can be a really bad thing when you have the number 20 offense in the country because that means your defense has to be really, really bad. Their defense is number 105th nationally in defensive as people. <laughs> Sorry, I just looked over and one dog was pinning the other dog. Oh, God, now they're fighting. Oh, go to your corners, girls. Uh, yeah, 120. This, this is great podcast content. <laughs> 105th in defensive SP+. Not a particularly good defense, and one that is going to be playing without its leader, Marcus Bailey, a great, great linebacker for them, uh, who suffered a knee, I believe, a knee injury earlier in this year. He is out for the entire season. This is where I think it has the potential to get away from Purdue, because if with how Penn State's offense has been clicking lately and how... Uh, Sean Clifford especially has been clicking lately. The fact that Purdue's Purdue's defense is just not particularly good. I have a really hard time seeing a scenario 
in which Purdue is able to slow down this Penn State. I actually see one scenario in which Penn State is it. Purdue is able to slow down this Penn State offense. But Nick, it, it just seems it seems like this game is ripe for Sean Clifford has had so much praise levied his way over this last week that this is going to be the opportunity for him to come out and show that that was not a fluky performance against Maryland. He is among the Big Ten's elite. Yeah, and I think along with that, this is a chance for Penn State's offensive line to show that they've improved. Um, yeah, you you mentioned Marcus Bailey out, and that that's really unfortunate for Purdue because he's a, he's a stud. Um, but they do still have George Karlaftis, and George Karlaftis is an unbelievable defensive end. Um, he'll he'll give he'll give Will Fries and he'll give Rasheed Walker a lot of trouble off the edge. So this will be a great test for them. Um, Anthony Watts is a pretty decent player as well uh so that's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty good twosome at least that they have there on defense but you're right it's just without without bailey they there's just not not quite enough here to keep pace with a team like penn state so i see this as a really good opportunity for both like you mentioned sean clifford and for the offensive line to really show that last week against maryland wasn't a fluke it was the start of what's to come yeah, and Karloftis is really the one guy who I think has the potential to has the potential to put a little bit of fear into Penn State's uh, offense, offensive line and Clifford, and then maybe throw the offense through a bit of a loop. I mean, he has five tackles for loss, three sacks as a true freshman. He was uh, a five star. He's from West Lafayette, so he is a really, really good football player. He. Uh, uh, 24-7 compared him to Ryan Kerrigan uh, of the Washington Racism Factories. I think that they are going to try and get him to attack Clifford. They're going to have him go right at uh, go right at Rasheed Walker or Will Fries, wherever they decide to line him up, and try and have him be a guy that has to attract the defense's attention. If there is one thing that we know about Purdue, it is that their defense can be really, really aggressive. And when it is at its best is when it's kind of bringing that fire from all over the place. If they're able to make Penn State have multiple guys pay attention to one dude on the defensive line, that's a big, big boost for them. I just don't know if Karloftis and then Anthony Watts, uh, Derek Barnes, another guy who's gotten uh, multiple stacks this year, uh, Cornell Jones has gotten into the defensive backfield, has a few tackles for loss. I don't know if there's going to be enough uh, opponents against Purdue averaging about 4.3 yards per carry. If Penn State's offensive line is able to win its battle up front, I think Clifford's going to have a lot of time. I think its receivers are going to have a lot of room to run against the Purdue secondary, and I believe that uh, Penn State's running backs are going to have a lot of space to work with uh, so that those those two or three yard uh, gains that occur when they get stopped up front, turn into six, seven, eight-yard gains because they're able to get to the second and third level of the defense. Uh, I, I, It's really hard for me, Nick, to see a scenario in which Penn State loses this game. We'll get to predictions in a second. But as we're heading into this one on both sides of the football, what do you want to see out of Penn State? Um, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna slightly reframe your question and change it into what I'm most interested in seeing. Totally and fine. I'm I'm really interested to see how Ricky Ronnie calls this game, because I think one thing that at least I've noticed over the past two years with Ronnie is that when he finds something that works, whether it's a game by game basis or drive by drive. He he really has shown an affinity and a willingness to go back to that well over and over again. And we saw that with the screen game against Maryland. One screen worked, and then he's like, oh, whoa, let's let's do that again. And they did it a whole bunch of times. So I'm curious to see in this game if he comes out with this basically the same game plan that we saw against Maryland. Are we going to see them? I mean, because Purdue and Maryland are fairly similar defense they both have that very attacking mindset like you said it's kind of like the it's like that it's like the big 12 defensive mindset it's 
we know we're not that good on defense, so we're going to do everything we can to pressure you and try to create turnovers to get the ball back to our offense. Kind of the same deal. So I'm curious to see if he goes back to that screen game well again to counteract that or if he tries to get the intermediate and the deep passing game more involved again. Uh, I know Clifford had huge numbers on Friday, but if you look at the passing chart that we posted today, really all those yards came from passes nine yards or closer to the line of scrimmage, which was really interesting. So I'm really I'm really curious to watch what the offensive play calling looks like on Saturday. It, I'm glad you mentioned that because... I think the weird thing about this game is that it seems almost impossible for Penn State to look past and to be looking ahead to Iowa just because like you have to pay attention against Purdue. They're going to try and catch on their toes, but that Iowa game is on the horizon and Penn State's about to get into stretch of its schedule where things really get ramped up to 11. Uh, it Of course, it has to travel to Kinnick Stadium next week, and then it plays host to Michigan uh, before traveling to East Lansing. A really tough, like, that's its tough, toughest stretch of games. There's three ranked teams in the road, two of those three on the road. I, like, I'm just very interested in how... Just Penn State's general approach to this one, whether or not they try to really pour it on and try to be really super aggressive, or if they're kind of going through the motions of the state, listen, we're fine. It you know, if this one ends if this one ends 28 to 7, 28 to 10, something like that, where we're not exer- we're exerting ourselves just enough to the point that we have to. I wouldn't be surprised and I almost wouldn't hate that because I want them to be at 100% fully calibrated going into these next three games. I, again, whether or not that means they bear, you know, they're going for a closer, more conservative, more let's just get to next week type of game, or if they try and pour it on and run it up and do that sort of thing, that's for them to decide. But I'm just, I'm going to be interested in how they approach that because the Penn State team that goes in to Kinnick Stadium. Needs to be a t needs to be the top ten team that we think they are because if not, this potential one two three this potential five and zero start that they have can very quickly go to five and three. And I want them to be as prepared as possible so that when they get out of this next three this stretch of this next three games and they get into that bye week of the first week of November, they are sitting at eight and zero and they are one of the best teams in college football. Uh, before we get to predictions, Nick. Uh, here is a very a fill in the blank where you and I are assuredly going to have the exact same answers. Fill in the blank. Penn State wins if blank. Purdue wins if blank. Penn State wins. Hmm. We're gonna have the same answers. I think Mm-mm. they're they're going to be in the same vein, but we're going to say uh, we're both going. I think to try and make this as this section as absurd as possible, uh, and. While you and I are both going to say Penn State wins, uh, you know, Penn State wins by being the better team. Purdue wins if something goes forward, blah, blah, blah. We're going to have fun with it. So have fun with this. All right. Penn State wins if Micah Parsons has 13 tackles and a pick six and a recovered fumble for a touchdown. Um, Penn State's off. Penn State wins if they are able to control the tattered remains of the Purdue offense. Purdue wins if somebody donates a leg to Rondell, actually, not just somebody, if Usain Bolt donates a leg to Rondell Moore and he's able to play, then I think Purdue wins. I was going to say Penn State wins if they get off the bus, Purdue wins if they don't. So I like, I mean, your answer was fine too, but uh, neither here nor there. Let's get into predictions for this one, uh, as I have a dog scaling me like I am Everest, uh, the Nittany Lions, 28-point favorites in this one over under 56.5 ESPN's FPI. 
uh, has Penn State at a 96.8% chance to win this one. Our pal Bill Conway has Penn State at a 93% chance to win this uh, projected final score for him, 45-19. to 19. Nick, what do you think? Does that 28 sound right? Does 56.5 sound right? And where do you think the final score for this one ends up? I'm not touching the 56.5. I really – that – I could very easily – See this game being 56 nothing Penn State. So I'm not going to touch that. But I think it, it's crazy because 28 is such a massive spread. But I feel like it's fair. I the the thing with this Penn State offense is that you were mentioning you were mentioning what happens when they um like if they if they go all out or not. The thing about this Penn State offense is that I they only really have one speed. I told Matt that what this what this offense has kind of morphed into it's it's still mostly that RPO uh, spread style that we've seen, but it's almost becoming like it's like an RPO air raid almost. Like they throw the ball, they throw the ball on first down a lot. It, it's it is a lot of Sean Clifford in the passing game. So I even even when they're up big, that that's just that's how they that's how Ricky Ronnie's calling the game. So I don't know if there, I don't know if there is a speed for Penn State that is not let's go score points. So I think there's a really good chance that Penn State could flirt with sixty points again. So I I'm I'm not going to go so far as to predict that, but I'm going to go ahead and say something like. Penn State I'm going to say Penn State I'm going to say 56 nothing. I'm going to say right on the line Jesus. of that. Right on the line there, but 56 nothing. I am not going to do that. Um I I think that Penn State's going to have a pretty solid game. Uh that 28 I was thinking about it and what with the number being at 28 that means 38 to 10 is right on the number. And I don't foresee this Purdue offense getting to... I, I think it would be really hard for this Purdue offense to get to 10. And I think it would be really hard for this Purdue defense to limit Penn State to 38. So I'm going to go with something like 45 to 7. Um, I think Penn State is going to have a, you know just a very solid... Going to go out, do their business. They're going to have KJ Hamler. They're going to try and get him into the group. I want to see them get a Daniel George, get a Justin Shorter, get someone like that into a bit of a rhythm uh, within the passing game. But I think this has the potential to be... I don't think they're. Go- it's going to be like last week's game because I think James Franklin gets a certain kind of sick joy out of uh, beating the Lord's Wrath out of uh into uh into maryland but i think this one has the potential to be a little it has the potential to get a little one-sided so we'll go somewhere in the vicinity of about 45 to 7 i think penn state wins uh and that means 56 and a half would not cover uh any final things you want to say about this one nick mm, yes go for purdue's it. purdue's kicker his name is J.D. J.D. Dillinger. I'm checking now. Wait, please what? let your first name be. Please let your first name be John. Please let your first name be John. J.D. Oh Dillinger. I Purdue. Uh oh no, it's Dillinger, not Dillinger. Oh, you're right. Oh no. His name is Jonathan. Oh, oh we're so close. I think. Uh, or that. That might have just been another Jonathan Dillinger who went to Pitt, uh, went to Purdue. So, I'm, uh, his name? Nope. Yeah, his name is Jonathan Douglas Dellinger. Uh, oh, so close! Damn. That that would I, I'm I'm I'll, I'll ask a Purdue friend if they uh, if they do anything particularly fun with that. Uh, oh, hey, uh, just a uh, last thing. Uh, you know, we'll get we'll get to them in a second because. They do have a game this week, but it's time for uh, our weekly Big Ten chat portion of the program. Um, we're not going to spend any time talking about this first game because it's Kent State going to Wisconsin, uh, 59 and a half, and Wisconsin is favored by 36. This one is going to get bloody. Yeah. 
Oh, Probably. no, it's going to rain. I'm, I'm pretty... It's going to rain. I... Oh, gross. Oh, Camp Randall on a rainy day with Jonathan Taylor. Like, I, I wouldn't... I wonder if they pull Jonathan Taylor in the second quarter. With... At what point do we have to really start questioning how healthy he is altogether? Because uh, well... he's, he's missed a lot. I... Uh, to be fair, I don't actually know for sure how much of the Northwestern game he missed, but he's missed large stretches of games so far this year, well, and not not when it's already been not when the game's already been put away either. Well, let me tell you this: he can take this weekend off if he wants to. This is true. Kent State is um, not going to beat Wisconsin. Uh, Kent State has played two; uh, they're two and two in the season. Those two losses come to a pair of. Uh, pair of power five teams uh they went on down to auburn and lost 55 to 16 which sounds very about right for this one uh sands for the 16 points thing uh and then uh they started their season by going and playing the fight in herms and they lost 30 to 7 so this one's going to get bad don't watch a single second of this game a uh, game that you actually might be interested in watching uh both because of the uh, what, what's about to come up on Penn State's schedule, and because it's a legitimately pretty interesting football game, uh, number 14 Iowa traveling to Ann Arbor, Michigan, to take on the number 19 Michigan Wolverines. Michigan Nick, three-and-a-half-point favorite with an over-under of 47-and-a-half. Hammer that under, but Michigan as a three-and-a-half-point favorite is very, very interesting to me because that's saying on a neutral field this is a coin flip. I have absolutely no idea what to, mm-hmm. what to do with this game. I... I I'm not going to go anywhere near it betting my own money. Um, if I did, I would only be looking at the under. But uh, like I, uh, I I'm, t- I'm tempted to say I think Michigan's defense can corral this Iowa offense, but I mean, is the Iowa offense really all that dissimilar from what Wisconsin did? I don't think so. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I think that Jack Cohn is more talented than Nathan Stanley. I don't know if he's, I don't think he's better, but I think he is more talented. Really? Uh, yeah, I am a big Jack Cohn, Cohn fan. I, I don't. Interesting. To me, the fact that Wisconsin was able to go out and get a blue chip quarterback, and he is playing like a blue chip quarterback is just gigantic. Um, I, like I, I, Oh wait, no Kona wasn't a blue chipper. He played. Yeah. He's Cone, Cone's not, Cone's not the blue chip. He's, I'm, he was last year's mix, backup. Who am I mixing him up with? Uh, it's, um, I'll, I'll pull up his Mertz name. or whatever. Yeah. 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 But yeah I like the, there's that. And then Makai Sarge, Makai Sargent is not, uh, Jonathan Taylor, which no offense to Makai Sargent, he's a good young, he's a good football player, but he is uh, not on the caliber. Uh, he is not of the caliber of the best running back in the country. Something that for which there is zero shame. Uh, Bill C has this one ending with Michigan coming out on top, twenty six to twenty two. ESPN's FPI has Michigan at about a sixty two percent chance of winning this football game. This seems like a game that Michigan has to win. Um, yeah. I I can't imagine anything good. Ha- like things have the potential to go off the rails really quickly if they lose this game because you know they go to Illinois next week. Whatever they'll win that one. Then they got to travel to Happy Valley and then they got to host Notre Dame. Trip to Maryland, playing Michigan State. Trip to Indiana playing Ohio State. If they don't win this game, two, three, four, a six and six season is on the table. So I think they probably end up winning this one. But man, do I not feel good about this in either direction. I I think I agree, but I the, the one thing that's been stuck in my head since Matt said it on the recap pod, um, yeah, Shea Patterson had a nice day through the air for Michigan against Rutgers, 276 yards, only six incompletions. But as a team, Rutgers ran the ball, or uh, sorry, Michigan ran the ball 41 times 
for 3.4 yards a carry. Now, Rutgers' defense is not awful, but that is a little... now. I, and I know we, we were just talking about how Penn State's that team that always throws the ball. Michigan, even with Josh Gaddis, I think... I don't think Harbaugh would ever let, and it's clear that they rushed the ball 41 times. So there's, they still, they'll, they'll run the ball. They'll run the ball to set up the pass, not vice versa. So that is a little bit concerning because Iowa's defense is a whole hell of a lot better than Rutgers defense. I, I, I really don't know what to make of this game. If this game was in Kinnick, I don't think it'd be particularly close, but the fact that it's in Ann Arbor, like, I think Michigan wins this, again, I think Michigan wins this game. I do not feel confident in saying that at all. Uh, Something that I do feel very confident in saying is that I'm not going to watch a single second of Maryland at Rutgers. Nick, Rutgers has a job opening. Um, And for reasons, we're not even going to talk about this game. Like, Maryland's probably going to win this game, whatever. They're my survivor pick this week, so they better. They better for Nick. Um, for God knows what reason, Pat Narduzzi is suddenly being linked to the Rutgers <laughs> job. Um, here, real quick. Uh, Illinois, Minnesota, we don't care about that one. Minnesota's going to win it. Uh, Northwestern, Nebraska. Um, it was funny watching Nebraska be named Fra- be revealed as frauds last week, uh, but they're going to win this game because Northwestern is butt. Uh, and then we'll talk about that in a sec. But yeah, let's talk Pat Narduzzi to Rutgers. Um, we're willing this into existence. There is zero reason why this should. Ha- there is no. There is one very specific, very narrow path towards this happening. But also, it's just so stupid that I cannot believe it's. It, it would ever be a thing. So it appears we've lost Nick. Uh, so I'm just going to filibuster on this while we try and figure out what's going on. Like, co- Nick, are you there? Nick? Now I am. Hey, there he is. Okay. Go off. Um, all right. Well, since, since you didn't hear me, I, I do not totally agree that uh, Minnesota will beat Illinois. I think Illinois is going to have a chance in that game. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, so Minnesota's I, going to survive. They're going to win that game twenty-eight to twenty-seven because Minnesota just like has a horseshoe shove so far up its behind that they when they burp they taste metal. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I would love for Minnesota to be undefeated by the time they get to our game. That'd be great. But. Because <laughs> um, they are going to lose that one. Yes, they will. Yeah. So, so what does Narduzzi care about more? continuing to try to build this legacy at Pitt, which is never going to be built because I just, it it just seems like there's too much of a disconnect between him and the media for him to ever really be kind of revered there in their history. Or does he want to come to the big 10 and play Penn state every single year? That's the question. I don't have an answer. And like all jokes aside, like I can absolutely see a scenario where Pat Narduzzi will want to, will, would want to like play football against Penn state more because he just like, you know, there's something about getting into little wars of words with James Franklin that he finds very funny. And like Rutgers is, you will always be able to find one person who convinces they can, who is convinced they can finally do what, Rutgers has only been able to do for a stretch, which is recruit New Jersey, get talent into the program, and win games there. And Narduzzi is like, I think, wired in a way where maybe he thinks he could do that. But it would basically take this year for Pitt to just go completely, completely off the rails, which I don't know if I see that. Like, it's just such a... It's just so it's hard, hard for that to yeah. happen in the ACC, especially in the ACC Coastal, which is just not good. Like they have, you know, they have to play a couple of tough road games in there. They've already they're already zero one in conference play before it really picks up. So like maybe maybe this thing goes sideways, and then it gets to the point where they basically say, "Hey Pat, listen, we're not going to fire you." 
but if you wanted to leave, we wouldn't stop you. Like, that sort of thing. I just don't know the extent to which, like, that'll ever happen. So it just Yeah, seems- and, and I think the... The thing that I've actually been thinking a little bit about lately is what, where does Narduzzi go from here? Like, barring oh, Pitt oh, really taking a next step and barring Michigan State when D'Antonio decides to move on and if Michigan State decides, you know what, let's, let's keep things the same, let's try to keep some consistency and they go get him. I mean, He's going I can't to, think he, of a good reason why someone else would go after him he he is going to enter the Saban school for rehabilitating former head coaches as good coordinator like he's going to go be a defensive coordinator at alabama you're he's right going to just kill down there he'll you're right he'll he will then parlay that into like the minnesota job when pj fleckley's or something like that like that oh, that like God. that's what's next for him he's going to like that oklahoma like I am sure that Ryan Day would love to hire, would be overjoyed with hiring him at some point. Like, it would be something like that. And yeah, like, it's just weird. Also, what did you, what do you think is more likely? Pat Narduzzi taking that job or another name that's been floated around that we are, uh, we have a vested interest in, in uh, Joe Moorhead taking that job? I, I think the Joe Moorhead connection is nothing more than he's people know he's from the Northeast, people know he's coached in the Big Ten, and people see the struggles that Mississippi State is having and, this year. Well, there and, is, he, and he was a head coach in the Tri-State area. He coached at four. Yes, yes. I a even more, if even if you're struggling, even if Mississippi State is struggling, that is not a better job. I will say that a Moorhead type is what Rutgers should go for. Someone who's just going to do weird stuff on offense and, you know, try and, you know, admit that your team isn't going to be good. So you kind of just have to kind of throw caution to the wind, but they're not going to hire Rutgers. As always, Bill and I, Bill and I are very here for any bad teams in the big 10 to do weird things like the triple option. Yes. Um, hire. Oh God. Can you imagine if they hire Jeff Munkin, how cool that would be? But Jeff Munkin is why, also... Why yeah. would he do that? Right. He's also, like, a good coach, so he probably wouldn't bring the triple option to arm to uh, Rutgers. Neither here nor there. Rutgers should run the triple option. Uh, I think that's all we can talk about with this game. Final game of the evening. Uh, Michigan State uh, joining me in Columbus, Ohio, uh, for a 7.30 kick uh, on ABC. Uh, Ohio State's the number four team of the country. Michigan State's the number 25 team of the country. And despite that, Nick, Ohio State favored by 20 in this one with an over-under of 50. Instead of trying to guess what happens in this game, because, I, I mean, Ohio State's obviously going to win. I, I am unsure about what I think the margin is going to be, but I am really, really excited to get to watch Justin Fields and that offense go, and get, go against an actual defense. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that I think this Ohio State defense is uh, Ohio State offense is very, very for real. I think we're going to see. Do you remember uh, the 2015 Penn State Ohio State game, uh, the one in Columbus where uh, Ohio State's offense, even though it didn't seem fully calibrated, the big thing that it had going for it was its field position because Ohio State's defense was just that good and Penn State's offense outside of Saquon Barkley was not particularly good, I would not be surprised if we see something like that where, oh my God, stop fighting. What are you doing? (laughs) We are on minute like 40 of this podcast and you guys are still fighting with each other. What the hell are you doing? Neither here nor there. When That game just seems like the blueprint for me where Ohio State... Just pit, you know, even if they can't get something going on offense, they pin Michigan State deep, and Michigan State is starting drives within its own 10 yard line. It cannot move the ball at all. Ohio State's defensive line is just good enough that Brian Lewerke is either not going to have time, or when he scrambles, there are going to be seven guys back there to, ta- to stop him. And they're going to punt, and Ohio State's going to take over at the 50. And even if they don't score there and they have to punt, 
They're going to punt, and Michigan State's going to be pinned deep, and that's just going to keep happening until that Michigan State defense cracks. And once that defense cracks, I think the floodgates are able to open up. I think 20 sounds about right. I think this one, I'll go with something like 34 to 10 Ohio State. I think this one has the potential to, it won't be as close as the score indicates, Nick. Yeah, I, I think you kind of hit hit the nail on the head. I think it's kind of just a kind of to borrow a solid verbal phrase, a crock potting. It definitely reeks of like a 13 nothing, 17 3, 17 7 type lead at halftime for Ohio State that it then ends up like 38 10 or 42 13, something like that. Um, I do, I, I feel pretty good about saying that Ohio State covers it in the end. Um, but it, I, I agree that I, it'll be, it'll be close early on just because Michigan state's defense is legit. And as good as Ohio state's offense is, they should be able to, they should be able to crowd them at least for some time. But, um, that, uh, that Michigan state offense is going to get absolutely annihilated. Um, when you said the 2015 Ohio state Penn state game, what's the first image that comes to your mind? Saquon Barkley hurdling UI Apple. Come on. Okay, because mine is Chris Godwin dragging Eli Apple 25 yards down the field after Apple starts tackling him. Eli Apple, uh, I don't think first he's round an, pick, New York don't, Giants. Don't think he is an NFL. Does he have an NFL team right now? Is he on the Saints? Yep, he's a Saint. Good for him. That's a that is a an excellent football team. Uh, he's part of that uh, the Monday night game, the Saints Cowboys game. There were a lot of Buckeyes in that game. There were a lot. It, I mean, the Saint, a large portion of the Saints' defense is Ohio State because they have um, Marshawn Lattimore, Eli Apple. Um, I Von think Bell. I think they have Von Bell now. Yeah, Von Bell. Um, and then the Cowboys had Zeke Elliott. They had uh, Devin Smith started. So they there's a lot of Ohio State in that game. Yeah, and uh, you, you didn't even get to Michael Thomas. Can't guard Mike. But oh god, Michael Thomas. But yeah, the the reason that. I'm very like I think I'm going to pay attention to this one very closely. The Athletic put out its Heisman straw poll this week, and I thought it was a pretty good indicator of where the race stands right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma in first place, Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama in second, Joe Burrow of LSU in third, and then sitting in fourth place is Justin Fields. Despite the fact that Fields has completed 70% of his passes for more than a thousand yards. Uh, in four or five games, whatever Ohio State has played so far this year, 16 touchdowns, no picks, has added seven touchdowns with his legs. I would not be surprised. Hot damn. Yeah. This very much seems like it has the potential to be a statement game for him. And that top three for the Heisman, like I think Hertz is pretty comfortable in at number one. Two is Tua. He's going to be Which in Which means he won't win. What was that? Which means he won't want it in the end. Correct. To attack about well, I think he's going to be in it no matter what. Joe Burrows, you know, I think he's been really, he's been fantastic this year. But Fields has the potential. This Ohio State team has gotten some buzz for being the best team in college football. For, you know, people doing their eye test, people, uh, you know, they, they got more first place votes than Georgia did this week. Uh, they're sitting in fourth they had seven first place votes in the ap top 25 if they can go out and they can really embarrass this michigan state team and fields can have that kind of i don't want to say breakout performance because he's had plenty of excellent games but he can have one of those games where he just proves you know what if you were talking about the best players in college football you have to include me i wouldn't be surprised if ohio state goes out and tries to do that uh all of that said, I really hope they don't, and I hope Michigan State wins, because like I said, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. I want to be able to uh, walk outside and make fun of the Buckeyes to everyone, because it is disgusting how much Ohio State gear is on sale at literally every single store that I have been to in here. It is repulsive. Uh, any final Gross. thoughts on this? Any uh, final thoughts on this game, Nick? Um, is Ohio State the best team in the country? Um... I I don't think so. I think mm, man. It's gonna say, I think Alabama's better, but I 
Alabama's linebacking linebacker situation is not uh, not soup. It, it's not Al. It's not what Alabama's used to. And I mean, we just saw we just saw the cracks in Clemson last week against Georgia, North Carolina. Like, I th- Georgia, I think, is really good. Um, Georgia's really good. LSU looks really good. LSU's defense is up. They, they allowed nearly forty points to Vandy, so that's a concern. Yeah, that's uh, true. and then. Oklahoma and Auburn and Wisconsin, that trio, you know, Oklahoma's defense, I don't really trust it. Auburn, you know, I think Bo Nix is really good, but I don't know if I trust him to that that point. And then I don't know if Wisconsin can get into a shootout with any of these teams above them that do have dynamic offenses. So I think Ohio State's right in that conversation. Like, they have as – I forget who mentioned it on ESPN this morning, but the fact that Ohio State on offense can – they're just – they have one speed and it's go. And then on defense, they can just rush four guys at you every single time. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Like they're scary, man. Like I'm going, I am writing down that game in Columbus a little bit later this year for Penn state as a loss for reasons beyond Penn state's control. I like, I think Ohio state legitimately has a claim to being number one. Ask me on Sunday. I'll give you my answer. I might be on the pod on Sunday. We'll try and figure out what's going to be going on with that. And I hope to be on the pod on Sunday, and I hope that you listen to it because I hope that you enjoyed this one. We're able to convince you to come back for future editions of the podcast. Make sure you are always uh, keeping up to date with what we have going on with the pod by subscribing on any of our various podcasting platforms. Uh, head on to iTunes, leave us a review. Uh, always love seeing what y'all have to say. And like we've mentioned, those actually do help with uh, the hideous algorithm that. Uh, the fine folks at Apple have built up. Make sure you're following us on social media. Make sure you're reading and supporting the site. and Keep buying some shirts. Uh, we hope that we're able to have some new fun stuff, some new fun gear coming out sometime soon. I uh, can't make any promises on that, but we're going to do everything in our power. Even if we can't, they're still great shirts, and we think you'll really enjoy them. Thank you, as always, for listening to Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Quick, name your favorite Will Smith song. Na 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 na